There are days that define your story beyond your life. Like the day they arrived. Signs of what might be called first contact. The objects measure at least... I'm Colonel G.T. Webber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him when you're in the show. That's what they're calling the UFO. Who's being carted off in the medevac? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. This is just a way to force us to work together for once. It's more complicated than that. How is it more complicated? Russia just executed one of their own to keep their secret. Got 21 hours before they start global war. So how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in. Why does this feel worse? should have won an Oscar. As we talk about films that, get this, should have won Oscars. Connor McPartland alongside younger brother and co-host Aiden McPartland, say the people, Aiden. Hello. Today we will be talking about the film Arrival, released on November 11th, 2016, and had a budget of $47 million, made $203 million at the box office, written by Eric Hesser. It was directed by Denis Villeneuve, Starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, and Forrest Whitaker. Aiden, why should this film have won an Oscar? It's one of those, I think it's one of those rare movies that like does everything, and yet I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? Like, the movie is like essentially about everything. You know, it's about aliens, it's about love, it's about death, it's about time. But one thing about it is that I can never explain what it is. Every time I think about it, I'm always like, well, it's an alien invasion. Well, it's not really, it's not like Independence Day. Like, the aliens are not like, really a huge part in it you know what i mean and it's just like such a different approach of that it's so refreshing and so just different and so great about it is that it's not like these aliens are here we're gonna fight them it's like these aliens are here can we communicate with them the whole movie is about communicating with these aliens and it's so genius and the way denis Villeneuve, uh like his patience in this movie is so 
like unmatched. Like it's a very patient movie, don't you think? I would definitely agree with that. I think this is one of, if not the best sci-fi movie of the 21st century. I think it's probably number one. I mean, what else would I be up there? The Martian? The Martian would be up there. I think Ex Machina would be up there. Mm-hmm. Annihilation yeah. would be up there. Yeah. Anything Alex Garland. Um, but it's just, it's an incredible sci-fi film that doesn't feel like a sci-fi It doesn't feel like it. It feels like a very intimate human film, even though like a main part of it is the aliens. Which is Dennis Villeneuve's, I mean, it's, it's what he does. Mm-hmm. And obviously he makes prisoners and enemy before this um he would go on to make blade runner after this and then obviously as dune coming up Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting it's it's he's it's almost like he needed to make prisoners and enemy yeah before he could make needed people to take him seriously as a director and then really wanted to get into yeah what he could do with cinema maybe he always wanted to do sci-fi yeah and he just needed to prove himself with prisoners and enemy um, it's an incredibly well acted movie. Everyone, in, there's not a single weak performance in this entire movie. Yes, especially Amy Adams. Especially My Amy God. Adams, who we'll get to. We will talk about. We'll save this Amy Adams conversation later. Right. Um, but the the writing is great. The cinematography. It's 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 such it's a, a cool. It's looking a beautiful movie. looking movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and also I like. I really like the score of this movie too. Yes, has it? It has a very specific color to the movie. Yeah, it's Green, very. Dark, like dark, kind of gray. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and also it's simultaneously such a quiet movie, but is really loud too. Right. You know, like the first shot you see of like the spaceship, it's like really loud, but like almost the entire movie is just people talking to each other. Exactly. Um, and and you know, I won't sit here and pretend like I understand the ending because I, I don't, still under- don't think I understand. That's it. another reason why I like it is because I don't really understand the movie at all. But I feel like I'm not supposed to, right? You know, I feel like I can kind of understand the twist. I don't understand mm-hmm. the ending at all. Uh, I, 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 I kind of understand it from my recollection. I, I, I kind of, kind of in quotes get it. And this is something too with the movies we talked about, like with the last movie we talked about, the Florida Project. You know, that is an incredible movie that feels like you don't want to watch it too much in your life. Yeah, it's that kind of movie where it's like, it's not rewatchable. Not because it's not good. I think Florida Project in general is a really rewatchable movie, but I just don't want to ruin that experience of watching it. Like, we'll talk, we'll bend the rules a little bit to talk about uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Mm -hmm. which you and I think might be uh, one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's a movie that I love to death and don't want to rewatch. I haven't, yeah. I've only watched it once because I, I'm scared to rewatch it again. Um, Cause that magic of like the first time watching a movie, right. you know, especially even with this movie, like watching this movie for the first time was an experience was. that I like, hasn't left my mind. Right. Um, but with this movie, I mean, too, I mean, it does feel like a movie you could do either or, um, mm-hmm. obviously this isn't a movie that's like on cable a lot. So you don't, no, I don't think I've ever it. seen it on like TNT. Right. It seems like a TNT movie, but I've never seen it on exactly. TNT. So if you, if you decide you want to watch it, you have to go right in. You have to actually go mm-hmm. out and look yeah. for it. Um, which will be interesting for the, for the legacy of this movie. I feel like that's where enemy and prisoners kind of went to yeah. two movies that are on at all. If you want to watch them, you actually have to go out and find them. But anyway, the point I was making before is that this feels like a movie that could go either way. You could rewatch it. Like, you could watch it once a year, maybe, and I think you would still, yeah. it would still have um, the the greatness to it. Yeah, it's also it's like a movie that I'm like, oh, if it's just like in the middle of the movie and it's on TNT, I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna probably watch the whole movie, but I feel like if I were to click on it, I would watch the rest of the movie. You know, did this solidify Dennis Villeneuve as one of the biggest up and coming filmmakers, or would you say that 
2013 Prisoner's Enemy Year did it. I think pris- I think having Prisoner and Enemy the same year is the one that brought him onto the map of pay attention for this dude. But it's really a rival that where it's like, what's he going to do next? Right. You know, like a lot of people were like, what is this dude's next movie? What's the sequel to Blade Runner? Like yeah. that is an insane like act to do. And then his next movie after that is a book adaptation of Doom. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because I think we give, I mean, it's crazy to, it would be crazy to go back and think of what we thought in the moment when we find out that he was making a sequel to Blade Runner yeah. as his next movie. In the moment, it would be like strange. Because you know? I remember when I found out that Greta Gerwig's second feature was going to be a Little Women adaptation. And I just remember feeling super disappointed by it because <laughs> it's like she can do anything she wants and she's going to do a little. Well, when you hear her talk about like Little Women, it's like a huge, it seems like a passion project to her. Exactly. Kind of like what Denis Villeneuve yeah. with uh, Blade Runner. Right. I mean, that, that was before I knew that she had actually written the script for Little Women for Lady Bird. You need to make Lady Bird in order to, to make Little Women. But, and then he does it again and he says for the next movie, I'm going to wait three years because the movie was, Dune was supposed to come out in 2020. Yeah. That didn't happen. But he said, I'm going to wait three years and I'm going to make a remake of Dune. I'm going to yeah. make another Dune movie. Not going to be a sequel like Blade Runner. It's just going to be a standalone yeah. movie. And here's the cast and here's the... Here's all, all the stars. incredible human beings that yeah. got to be in this movie yeah. of a book that everyone says that they've read. But have many people read it. Oh, you, you think it's one of those books? I think Maybe. I feel like that would be tough for me. Because if I actually sat down and read Dune, it's like it. If I actually sat down and read the book It, I would like be bragging about it every chance I got. And that is true. People would, and people would just be like, "No, you, you didn't. No, you didn't read Dune." And I'd be like, "No, I did. <laughs> I did actually sat down and read it. Um, not that I have. Let's talk about the Oscars." I almost here. did. I, om- I, I almost did. Read- I almost read Dune. Uh, Mr. Barroso's class. We went to the library. I saw Dune, and I was like, "The movie's coming out. I might as well get it." And then the next day, the movie was delayed, and I never had the opportunity to read it. That is incredible timing. They had Dune at the Marshall Middle School Library. I know. That's. I was really. It, it was really weird. Also, it was like, um, the cover of the book is not like. Uh, the like uh, illustrated version it's an image of the dune movie from the 1980s with kyle mclaughlin yeah, yeah. and mr barroso saw that and i was like and he said wow that movie's really bad yeah wow and it shocks me how is it a big book i'm assuming it's like a, it's one of those small page. like it's one of those small copies of a book it has a lot of pages yeah gotcha um let's talk about the oscars because this was a really interesting year, I feel like, for the Oscars. Mm-hmm, yeah. This was the last one before the Me Too movement came in and, and really hit Hollywood. Um, this was nominated for six Oscars. Um, mm. Best Production Design, which it lost to La La Land. <laughs> Best Editing, which it lost to Hacksaw Ridge. Mm. Best Cinematography, which it lost to La La Land. Best Adapted Screenplay, which it lost to Moonlight. Best Directing, which it lost to La La Land, Damien Chazelle. And Best Picture, which it lost to Moonlight. I think for most of like the big ones that they lost to, I'm kind of fine with. You know, I wonder. One of the reasons why I say that this was a big Oscars is because obviously, you know, you have the big, the mix up at the end, mm-hmm. um, the wrong envelope, envelope gate. I think is what we tried to call it, and nobody that didn't. Stick. That's not catchy. Like whoever tried to make that a trend got like fired. Yeah, much like the guy who actually exactly. But do you think in a few years down the road, we're going to be saying that La La Land was a tough beat for the Oscars in terms of winning mm, all this stuff? Ooh. Like, I ooh. love La La Land. Yeah, I, really I, also do. I also love La La Land. But it got, I don't know how many nominations it got. But it got like it got, 11 or 13. Yeah. 11 to like 13. Yeah. And it gets costume design and it wins production design and cinematography, which I understand. I mean, one example is like it wins score, right? And mm. you, first of all, Rival doesn't even get nominated for score, which is crazy. That is a travesty. But then... Uh, Jackie's score is one of the, yeah. I think, the greatest scores of the 2010s. And I don't remember a score in La La Land. I listened to a little bit of it, and it's just a piano. 
Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with a piano, right. but it's just City of Stars as an instrumental. Like, that's the score to it. I feel as though we're going to look back in 10 years and not be mad that La La Land got a lot, but be really confused on the things that it did get. Mm-hmm. You know, because I feel like the Oscars were like, okay, we're going to give this Oscars to Moonlight. But we have, but we love La La Land, so we got to give right. it every other thing imaginable. And here's the thing that I am like, kind of not for with La La Land getting like production design and costumes is that it's just not doing anything. You know, it's just they're just wearing clothes. Right. They're not they're not doing some Little Women huge dress thing. They're just wearing normal clothes that you would see in everyday life in L.A. You know, exactly. Same with like the production design. They're just houses. Right. Um. Shoot, I had a point ever. I was gonna say no. I thought I was gonna say it, and then I came oh, back to me. Well. Um, shoot, it was a great point too, and I can't remember what it was. Oh shoot. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it seemed almost as though the Academy uh, was trying to trick people, maybe a little bit mm, with yeah. with Moonlight. And now I remember the point that I was making, which is that this seemed like the one year that maybe you could have had a sweep of black winners for the five major yes. categories, right? Because, uh. You had Mahershala Ali win Supporting Actor for Moonlight. Uh, you had Naomi Harris, I, I think, probably should have won Supporting Actress for Moonlight, even though Viola Davis won for Fences. Oh, I feel like oh some... okay. Well, that's a more acting performance. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like there's some de- debate as to whether or not Viola Davis should have been submitted in the Supporting Actress category yeah, anyway. Yeah, that debate, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, like, should... Let's let's talk about the directing category. I mean, should Damien Chazelle have won the Oscar for Best Director over not only Dennis Villeneuve for this movie, but also Barry Jenkins for Moonlight? Okay, that is a very Oscars pick for Best Director. Kind of safe, but safe and like not so safe to the point where people are going to get super mad about it. Because you watch La La Land, and it's a really well directed movie. You know, the shots are incredible in that movie. But I feel like they kind of awarded it because it really did feel like a 1950s musical, which was which kind of what it was. But what Denis Villeneuve and Barry Jenkins did, I think a little bit better than uh, Damon Chazelle did, is that they really created a great atmosphere. You know, both Arrival and Moonlight, I felt a lot of tension when I was watching those movies. You know, and there's so many, there are a lot more shots in Moonlight and Arrival that really stuck with me more than La La Land. And I think the main reason is that La La Land was kind of a more fun movie while Moonlight and Arrival wanted to like really make you think, you know? So it was just, it was probably the safest pick, right? you know? I, th- I think it will just be weird. We'll look back and think that it was weird that Barry Jenkins didn't win for, even though yeah. Moonlight went on to win Best Picture. Yeah, absolutely. He, Inten- yeah. he wins for Adapted Screenplay. Mm-hmm. And usually when that happens, we just saw it this year with Bong Joon-ho, or last year, I should say. Um, usually when that happens, the, the director completes the cycle, you know, they yeah. win all three. I um, do think in a few, like maybe 10 years, we're going to be surprised that he did not win. Let's talk about Amy Adams, because Amy Adams, I feel like, has a really complicated relationship with the Academy. Mm-hmm. She's been nominated, yeah. I believe, six times, I believe, and has won zero, zero of six times. Oscars. That's... She's the next Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, honestly, I think so. Well, so she doesn't get nominated for this movie, right? And we'll That's go through who was cool. nominated. But this is something I don't understand because Amy Adams will get nominated for something like Vice, mm-hmm. where her performance in Vice isn't necessarily bad, but she certainly is, I think, lost in the ensemble of that movie. 
And then she doesn't get nominated for something like this. And it forces her, I think, to make movies like Hillbilly Elgy, yeah. which I don't, I mean, maybe it was always a passion project that she always wanted to be a part of, but it also is kind of at this point a clear, let's hope either myself or Glenn Close gets an Oscar <laughs> yeah. for this. But I mean, we, we've been saying that she, it seems like she's the next Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. for many years now. Um, the Best Actress race this year, the nominees were Isabel Hubert for Ellie, Ruth Nega for Loving, Natalie Boardman for Jackie, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. This is... Mm. It's a really interesting year. Now, Emma Stone wins for La La Land. Now, I think even if we put Amy Adams in here, and let's just say Isabella Huber and Ruth Nega are really interesting. Isabella Huber yeah. is like a huge actress in France. People call yeah. her the French Meryl Streep. <laughs> and Ellie I've seen on like decade ends list. Um, the Ruth Nega thing was surprising in the moment for yeah. any movie that hasn't really lived on. Um, now, I haven't seen it, I should point out, but it's not a movie that a lot of people talk about. Um, what is it, four years later? So I think Amy Adams should have been put in that spot. I do think that she should have been. But I still think that Natalie Portman lost this. It, it's such, like once again, it's such an Oscars pick, having a young actress win the award, when in general... Natalie Portman gave, like, the much better performance. I mean, we saw it three years earlier, right, when Jennifer yeah. Lawrence won for Silver Linings Playbook. And even, I mean, you could argue an e a year earlier when Brie Larson wins for Room. And what's really disappointing is that it seems like now we're at a period, and even though we just saw Renee Zellweger win her second Oscar, where it seems like an actor only wins, like, one Oscar, like, they only have one chance. Yeah. And for Emma Stone to get it as early as she did, for performance that I, again, don't yeah. but it's just not like compare that to even something like amy adams in arrival like amy adams was doing a lot in that movie she's like dealing with grief but she's also like really nervous about what's going to happen but like she's trying to hide the fact that she's nervous it's like a really great performance and emma stone i think is just kind of being emma stone in that movie you know yeah. and also like natalie portman and jackie is like one of the most I don't even know how to describe it. I think her. it's one of the best performances of the 2010s. I also think yeah. it might be one of the most underrated performances. It absolutely is. Nobody talks is. about Jackie. It, it, it's astonishing to me because yeah. like the way it's presented is absolutely like perfect. Right. I mean, I don't want to make this into a Jackie podcast. Okay. But, and, and the, the Meryl Streep thing, I wasn't shot by. Like Lord They Lord love Meryl Streep. She got nominated Lord for Into the Woods, man. Yeah. I feel like I mean, it was we'll at just, that point everybody realized, oh, Meryl Streep yeah. in a movie, she's getting a nomination. We'll just let that one slide. But I, I don't, I mean, do we think Amy Adams is ever going to win an Oscar in her career? <sighs> she needs a revenant. You know, she needs a role I think that she, she really embodies yeah. into it. You I know, have a really well-respected director behind the camera and just go all in. I mean, it seemed like Hillbilly LG It seemed like that. Hillbilly LG was going to be that. And, then and it seems like it's not going to be that anymore. Yeah, it's the hot mess that we got mm -hmm. instead of what we thought it was going to be. Um but you think it's it's she needs to to uh, eat a bear. Or she needs to eat a bison liver in order to win her Oscar. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Because it would I mean it would have been really weird had she won it for this. Um, just because we don't see we don't see this kind of performance. Yeah, like win the Oscar. Um, and then cin cinematography for La La Land. We've said that probably should have gone to Arrival. Right? I think it definitely should have gone to Arrival. Like the, the, the shots in this movie. Are absolutely when they're in the spaceship, it is like one of the most mesmerizing things I've seen in a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just simply couldn't look away from the movie. It was simultaneously horrific, but so beautiful at the exact same time. And then best picture, this is this is an interesting mm -hmm. one. Yep. Um, because Moonlight obviously wins 
what are you picking do you think Arrival four years later should have won over Moonlight having seen both I know you've seen Moonlight more recently than you have mm, Arrival okay it's I can't I can barely compare the two I mean they're two completely different they're movies, two right? very separate I mean Arrival movies. had a budget of 47 million and Moonlight had a budget of what like 1 million uh, yeah I think a million yeah I, I would say I would keep them. Yeah, I think Moonlight deserved to win Best Picture. I think if it didn't, honestly, we would be looking back saying, I think if La La Land actually did win, we would look back and like kind of hate La La Land. But that's know? the interesting thing is that it doesn't, like Moonlight didn't necessarily get its parasite moment, right? It no. didn't get its, like, it's Sadly, always, it didn't. Yeah, it's it always kinda... going to be wrapped in the, 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 uh, La, the La La Land. Mm-hmm, yeah. Forever. Um, any final thoughts about this movie, about Arrival? Watch it. It's, it's 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 definitely a movie where it's like the first time you watch it, it's gonna be really weird, but like yeah. it grows on you, like it really grew on me. Yeah, we didn't talk about Jeremy Renner at all. Do you, um, oh, who were the? Do you know what the supporting actor? Let's see how many he's working up. Time for Google, but like, yeah, it's just a movie that is really key on you having to like sit there and watch it, even if you don't understand it. Like you still like have to watch it, and I mean the ending of this movie, like really confused me so much so that we had to pause it mm-hmm. so so do, can you talk about runner's performance a little bit did you like it did you i enjoyed his performance you know i don't think it's like hurt locker level or like even the town but it was it was enough you know so the nominees for supporting actor that year mahershal ali moonlight jeff bridges heller highwater lucas hedges manchester by the sea that patel lion michael shannon nocturnal animals and then mahershal ali obviously wins for moonlight don't i Mahershala Ali should still win, yeah. I think. And I don't think I would... Maybe Dev Patel. Maybe, just maybe. because that movie... Has just because nobody remembers that yeah. movie. I don't remember anybody talking about that movie. That's true. That's fair. Because I was going to say nobody, but then you're right. I mean, like, I don't know. Dev Patel was kind of a shocker, I think, in the moment. I think like, if we made the nominations, like, this year, mm-hmm. there is maybe a possibility that Renner gets in instead of, you know, instead of Patel. Just because, like... I remember like a joke, like no. If you've seen this movie, you're probably lying. Mm-hmm. Get it? I get it. I get, I get it. It's, it's hilarious. Yep, I get it. Um, what are your final thoughts on this movie, Connor? I I think, like I said, I think it's one of the greatest sci-fi movies I've ever seen. I don't necessarily hate sci-fi movies. I just haven't seen a lot of them. And this one felt like a sci-fi movie without being too much like a sci-fi mm-hmm. movie. And there's no fun. I mean, there's kind of a final battle, I guess you could say, but that's kind of a stretch at the same yeah. time. Um, I think it's really cool how you don't see the aliens for as long as you do, and then yes. even when you do see them, you, you barely of, see them. You barely see them. And I also love how they're not here to destroy the planet. You right. know, they're just kind of there. Yeah, and even though Amy Adams is playing a character we've seen before, I mean, we Natalie Portman is kind of playing that in Annihilation too, yeah. right? Um, I, I I still think that she should have gotten nominated. Absolutely, was, was really snubbed. Um, okay, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of this. Should have won an Oscar. On the next episode, we will be talking about another 2016 film, The Nice Guys. Oh man! So be sure to tune into that. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.